I'm sure there's a lot of people who know your name. I know your name. I know decent details about you. I've talked to you for a couple of years. Uh, people know what you do. Maybe they just don't know who you are. So, like, give us the bullet points of you. Yeah, so people know me maybe more by Suave than my actual name. Uh, but my name is Nick Suarez or Suave. Um, I uh, was basically raised in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I was actually born in California, but moved to North Carolina when I was pretty young. So uh, I've lived in, I've gone for about like 15, 16 years. Uh, so most of my life. Um, in terms of starting with Stay Plugged In, um, I was one of the like original uh, members of the group. Uh, we started like officially about like three years and like three or four months ago. Uh, so it was basically three years uh, this past January ish. So um, that's like when I started working with Stay Plugged In specifically. Um, but before that, um, basically sports kind of was the main thing I did throughout my life, uh, specifically baseball. I also played some basketball. Um, went to Lenore Ron University and played baseball there. Um, and then I went through some life stuff while I was in college. So I ended up leaving there, um, started working, went to community college. And then while I was doing both of those things, I'm just kind of when the idea of state plugging kind of get started getting floating around. Um, and actually while I was in college um, is kind of when I started um, picking up Rainbow Six Siege. Um, and then once I Crazy. left, yeah, I know, right? Um, and then once <laughs> I uh, transferred, um, that's kind of when I started getting into the more competitive aspect. Because um, funny enough, I started playing literally because I was out at dinner. It was one of the last times I went out with my high school friends before I left for college. Um, and they were like, dude, you need to get Rainbow Six. You would be really good at it. And literally on the way home that night, I just stopped at a Target and bought the and bought the game for PS4 uh, and started playing with them. And then I was like by far better than all of them. Uh, so as those games kind of work, um, I kind of had a solo queue and all that stuff because I was too good to play or too high of a rank or whatever. Um, ended up meeting some people online uh, that one time mentioned like, hey, man, did you see the G2 play? Uh, which at the time they were like the most dominant team by far um, yeah. in Rainbow Six. And then that's kind of when they showed me the professional scene. I always kind of had this idea or knew that people played games professionally. I know like in high school, people would always make jokes about like the uh, trick shotting phase clan, all that stuff. Um, but I never looked into it. Um, so that was the first time I actually looked into it. Um, also realized that to play professionally in Rainbow Six, it's on PC. So ended up getting a PC. Um, and then, yeah, I played competitive for like about a year, year and a half. Uh, then quickly realized I was never going to be good enough to have any chance to play professionally there, but also just wouldn't have had the time either, uh, to be fair. So, um, and then right around that time, like I said, is when the idea of stay plugged in floated around, um, I thought it was a good opportunity, um, in terms of like being able to help people that, um, would be able to get the same opportunity I did for baseball. Um, and you know, my whole family, um, that's, that's what we're about. Like my brother, uh, plays at uh, UNC Charlotte. He's transferring though to college of Charleston. And then my sister is committed uh, for soccer to Florida state. So big, big uh, sports family. Um, and so being able to help people in another um, atmosphere of gaming, which I've done, you know, my whole life and uh, have a passion for as well. Uh, you know, it's really cool. So kind of started there. Um, basically been in the, um, the sphere of like kind of more sales 
side of things. Um, so talking to the players, coaches, all those types of things, um, basically since we started. Um, just making sure I didn't miss anything else. Um, you got into gaming, like, a little late. Not not late, but, like, it, it's not, like, traditional story of, like, someone that's in esports or doing something that you're doing. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, sure. it's cool did. to see someone with a different background coming into it because I think perspectives needed within our like. Yeah, no, culture. I um, I always like games like just casually, like you know anybody, right? Um, yeah. like I play like the very old Ghost Recons. If anyone knows, watching played those or Halo campaigns, you know stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? I played those like, back in the day. Yeah, so I play like those, but those were just like you know logging on to play for fun, whatever. Then I'd go to mm. practice or school work, go to bed. Um, so yeah, I really only got into like esports um, when I was basically like twenty, um, and I'm twenty four. So um, yeah, I've only really been in it for about four years. Um, or you're not even late yeah, at all. It, my story is even later than yours. Uh, so I did random stuff in college. So like I was in the military. I did break dancing, all kinds of random sure. stuff. And then uh, when League came out, I was probably like 22, 23. And that was my first intro to what esports was. And then I went to a world championship and I thought I was going to hate it. My friends brought me out to it and I ended up loving it and like became why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Gotcha. Yeah, I was actually, yeah. I went to the, uh, the Rainbow Six Invitational um, that February, uh, right before COVID. So that would have been what, 2020, I believe. Um, so I went to Montreal for that too. And that, that was really fun. That also kind of showed me too, like just how, how cool. Um, Cause I've been to a lot of uh, sports uh, yeah. games um, live as well. And while the same I've been to some, yeah. And while I've been to some exceptional atmospheres there, like honestly, the invitational was very, very similar. Um, and, and that impressed me when the, you know, in that venue, I believe there was only like about five to 6,000 people there. While, you know, in a sports venue, you'll have upwards of 40,000 potentially depending yeah. on what sport. So um, yeah, that part of it was really cool. And just as we started kind of getting rolling as a company as well, um, just kind of like all the different people we started being able to help and some of the stories and, and things like that just was really cool. Um, and, you know, it's not really like a job, like, you know, I, the funny story is like everyone, whenever, when anyone asked me, what do you do for work? Um, like, uh, when my girlfriend's parents asked me for the first time, it's like, okay. I always ask, you know, what esports is. They usually say no, yeah, yeah. and then that's when I do the long-winded answer. Um, but if they happen to know what esports, then it's kind of short. But um, yeah, so it's kind of like both of those uh, things. Like I feel like having the background I had playing sports and playing in a very competitive um, environment my whole entire life, um, and kind of knowing what it takes to get there, and then kind of combining that with uh, you know my esports knowledge that continues to progress year in year out, um, mm -hmm. kind of gives me. Uh, multifaceted approach there i feel like so yeah and i mean that goes into like why i invited you on uh i don't think anyone should be able to consider themselves like an expert in any category of what we're talking about like you can have the most amount of years being a director the most amount of years coaching and whatnot but so much of this changes all the time and it should be seen as like just as you said like year by year you just gather a little bit of knowledge and uh that's the main point with all of this is just like to share that knowledge a little bit um, in a pretty mm -hmm. candid way, um, and hopefully not in a like a a basic way, I guess. I don't want to sound like rude to the people that want to know like the the intro stuff to getting into this, but I, I want to like really dive deep into the people that 
have been doing this for a while. You have perspective people that have been doing this for a while. I have some perspective of what I've been doing and colleagues have been doing. And I think we could have a good mixture of like, here's, here's the goods, here's the bads, here's the pitfalls, here's the dependencies you should look out for. And yeah, that's like the, the basic of this conversation. But it, it's funny to hear, like, even though you come from uh, like a more traditional story than like a gamer story would be, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of similarities to like what I'm thinking my history was and like other people's history. So yeah. I wouldn't yeah, no, feel sure. as if you're like new to this at all. Yeah, I don't know if you do feel that way, but you shouldn't at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not the person who's like, you know, playing Halo when I was like 10, going traveling to like different lands and things like that. Um, but, you know, I've been now working day in, day out for the last four years, basically. Um, yeah. So, you know, talk with so many different people as well, whether it's people in collegiate, outside of collegiate, whatever. Um, so, yeah, by no means am I going to consider myself the, you know, I know everything or whatnot. You know, I mean, hopefully one day maybe I can get there, but probably never. Um, so, um, but yeah, always happy to offer, you know, advice or, hey, what do you think about this or things like that? And, um, you know, I'm always about just like, I'm going to tell you what's up, how it is, whatever, and then you can do with it what you wish. So. Yeah, and that's the best you can do. Um, we can get right into it. So I think to start off, rather than going into the intro and like skipping the basics a little bit, mm-hmm. in your opinion, from the perspectives you see from other directors, other coaches that talk to you, what do you think would be like the the end goal, the ideal point, what you want like cyclically happening with your program? Yeah, it's a really broad question because there's going to be schools that need different things, but we'll probably get into those those dependencies but like in a broad sense what's like that ideal repetitive maintenance point that a school wants to hit yeah i mean i think it's going to look similar to a traditional sports team um if you take one game so if you take like rocket league for example and then you took baseball i think it would look very similar the only difference um is going to be i think in esports you can provide some more underlying opportunities under that um and so what i mean basically is you have the rock league team um obviously every school at the end of the day wants to be competitive now what that looks like is a lot different for a division one school in baseball being the best team looks a lot different than the best division three team um and so like you mentioned and we can dive into that in a second how does that look different sorry it looks different because at the division one level a lot of those players while most of them still are not going to be able to make the major league baseball league, right. They're not going to make the MLB. Um, All of them basically for the most part have aspirations to, or at least play at the highest level, which at the end of the day, whatever wants to play at baseball is college world series. Okay. Um, So the difference you were saying was like, uh, sorry to interrupt, but the difference you were saying was like, um, it's the player that makes the difference between division one and three. Cause I was, I was thinking like division one and three and two, and this is kind of new to me, like just four years ago, I didn't know what division one, two, and three was, um, yeah, no, for sure. but from a school's perspective, I would say it doesn't look that much different. Like there's a division three school that wants to win. It's going to look almost the same as a division one school, I would assume. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah I should clarify. Yeah. From the player's perspective in terms of like, um, helping them achieve like their longer term goals or short term yeah. goals or whatever, it's going to look different. Yeah. But obviously from the school's perspective, right? Like if you're a division three school, you know, the best thing that you can do is win that division three championship. Um, and if you're a division one school, the best thing you can do is win the college world series. So if you do either of those, technically you're doing the same thing. 
because that's the best that you can do within you know your division, right? Yeah, um, and I think people starting to think in those lines of division is still somewhat a new concept for esports people because a sure. lot of new people that I talk to, um, not so much myself included, I kind of like put myself in the boat of like, I'm not like my school's in the middle of nowhere and whatnot. I'm not going to be competing with these high end Maryville esque teams. But I do think there's some people that think there's some algorithm they can find to where they can supersede their division three school and like just enter into division one esports. And I think some people have, um, maybe you have more insight to like the people that have, uh, yeah, I, I think mean, Northwood would be in that boat. Yeah. Or I, I think that like Northwood would be in that boat where they're like, mm -hmm. I don't know what Northwood's traditional or Fisher college traditional or SLU's even, uh, but they probably supersede that competitive. One. Slew is? Yeah, Slew is. I'm actually from St. Louis, but... and I should know that. I know they have a big, like, Billiken Stadium, so I should have known that. But there, there definitely Maribel are schools that supersede it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, like, currently in esports, right, like, the division of the school doesn't um, necessarily mean that's what their esports program is, technically, because um, it's not as cut and dry. Because, yeah. you know, as we all know, there's millions of leagues, competitions that you technically can play in. So... It's not going to be as cut and dry in terms of like what the ideal focus of an esports program should look like. Um, but basically, going back to my original point was just in the sense of like you want to have a build out of a team, and obviously you want to always establish like competition so players don't, you know, feel like they don't have any competition because then that creates an atmosphere where they can just slack off. Yeah. Um, so whether yeah, so mm -hmm. and it's tricky too in esports because obviously roster size and things like that on a baseball team. You know, you have 40 plus people on a Rock League roster. You know, maybe you have four, right? On an actual, yeah. like on one team. Now, ideally, you know, you probably build out like two, three rosters, whatever that looks like. Um, so yeah. you have that competition. And then outside of that, too, you're constantly recruiting to fill in either graduating players, players that transfer out, or whatnot. Um, and then on top of that as well, um, you know, you have probably more opportunities from a a more like academic perspective than you do probably within sports where you bring out people for broadcasting. Um, you know, you, you have paid coaches, analysts, or whether those are students or whatnot, you have, um, you know, all the managers, all those other things that can coincide with the team um, and within like the program overall as well. Um, you can have stat keepers, you know, all those types of things. Um, and are you seeing a lot more recruiting on that end of people wanting student worker-esque people. I would say yes. Um, it's just still not obviously like the easiest thing to find. Um, just yeah, because they're high schoolers I, usually. Yeah, exactly. Like here, but there's definitely a lot of people. Done. Yeah, definitely yeah. a lot. Because as as we were talking about even before we got on here, um, you know, you said to you and one other person basically heading the program there, and that's the case for basically most programs. If not, maybe they're the only person. Yeah. Um, and so the, you know, the easy or not easy, but the alternative to that is them being like, well, let me bring on a Rocket League manager. So at least I don't have to worry about scheduling stuff with them or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. so every time you can bring on a student worker that immediately, I would imagine from a director's perspective, um, is like, okay, well, at least now I don't really have to worry about that. All I have to do is like check in from time to time or whatever. Um, or maybe turn off a fire here and there or whatnot. Um, so yeah, definitely seen an uptick in that. Or um, college starting to go the grad assistant route, um, which I believe is definitely going to become super a lot more. I think common. it's going to 
become huge. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I've even thought about, like, I don't have my master's at the moment. And there's been some job interviews that I'm in where I'm realizing I'm not going to be considered regardless of the expertise and whatnot, unless I have my master's. Because we are working in, like, academia. They do value a yeah. degree more than, like, traditional businesses. Yeah. Uh, and, like, grad assistant sounds like an easy fix. Uh, it's not within my, like, lifetime story at the moment to do that. So, but I do, see, I agree with you. Like, a lot of people are going to do the grad assistant route. Um, well, and also I, I thought about it with my the, program as well. Go on. Yeah, just because from the concept of it, too. Like, when I played on my college baseball team, we had the head coach, we had two paid staff, and then we had three grad assistants that were also yeah. coaches, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, that's half our coaching staff. Um, so, it's also a route where the college can go – we're going to pay for all your tuition or most of your tuition or whatever that stipend or incentives look like. And we're going to get an automatic coach on the team for two years or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that is also a pretty valuable sort resource to have been constantly always relying on, you know, p people to come in paid because at the end of the day, like um, even in the sports realm, like, um, like an assistant coach added for the school I was at is not, you know, paying anything crazy, you know? Yeah. So those jobs are always going to be pretty revolving door esque. Um, yeah, people just so, getting their experience and moving on. Exactly. To the exactly. Ladder, yeah. So uh, the grad assistant route always provides options because generally you always obviously have people who are trying to work their way up in an industry, right? And so those are good spots for those people to come in, do their work for a year, two years, however long it takes, and then move on from there. Or even mm -hmm. they could get promoted as an assistant coach after they're done. Too, yeah, yeah. You know, so there'll probably be a lot of situations with the grad assistants taking over from people moving up because like there's more and more state schools coming into this and people doing jobs like mine we have the the resume to get those state school jobs and it's just going to be a shoe in um yeah. and i think the grad assistance is actually like schools using grad assistance and starting to go that route to get more help that's happening faster than schools realizing the student worker help that they can get because from an athletic standpoint pretty easy to get the student worker help because it's normal within that department to be using student workers and whatnot for like commentators or working scoreboards or just the weight rooms, like checking IDs or something like that. Uh, but these programs, these esports programs that are underneath like student org or IT or something like that, it's mm -hmm. not within the same realm or the same budget line to be getting student worker hours, like actual hours coming from, well, at my school, it comes from what could be their scholarship. Uh, it's It's paid for through I don't know exactly where it's paid to, but I talked to admissions in order to know how many hours I'm able to get. That's probably mm -hmm. common with some schools, but then with other schools, it's probably you're talking to someone else. But in general, when I'm talking to other people, like I went to NACAD uh, National recently, and I went to another regional in Akron, uh, the people I'm talking to, they haven't tapped into student workers as much. And it's probably because they don't know what like department to talk to. Yeah, it's um, also just trickier, I think, because um, it's just like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, where do you go to find that, right? Um, yeah. So, and at the end of the day, too, when you talk to a lot of students, like, they just want to play, um, you know, yeah, until maybe they exactly. get to college and then they realize, okay, I'm not really as good as the team they have. Maybe I'll do some uh, playing as a substitute and then cast or whatever. Um, yeah. But that's why. That's the story with my program. Yeah, so that's why I think, like, for grad assistance, again, as more and more people continue to get into this space, only more and more people are going to be looking to get masters, get jobs, things like that. Um, and so, like, I just think it's a good alternative for a program 
Um, even if you just hire one, right. It doesn't even need to be my example where like we had three, um, just going from one director, that's your only current paid staff to then a grad assistant and a director is yeah, a lot better. That grad assistant can take 20 hours from the director. That's a godsend. And I would imagine, um, I mean, I can't speak off this because I've never been a grad assistant or anything like that too, but generally I'd imagine the quality of work that a grad assistant could do is a lot better than a, a student worker, right? Just because. Yeah, um, they're for sure building that resume. Yeah. Mm. So, um, and I don't, since I never, again, worked with a school on that or anything, I don't know the steps to take to be able to open a position like that or things like that, but definitely seen a lot more of schools open up grad assistant positions or hit me up saying like, hey, you know, do you know anyone looking or, or those types of things? Um, so definitely a big recommendation if there's any like directors, coaches out there that are debating it or something. Um, because yeah. I only, there's only going to be more and more people looking to get those, to fill those positions, I would imagine. And it's almost seen in the same light as recruiting. Cause I mean, I looked at that route at my school. Uh, my school doesn't have that many master's degrees. So like the first step is like, does your school have master's degrees? Does your school have partner schools that have master's degrees? Um, and my school didn't have any of those besides an accounting degree, pharmacy, and law. And there's not that many people doing those three things that are also mm -hmm. interested in esports. So not that much of an opportunity there. Um, but it was seen as my school being excited that I could possibly get a grad assistant that would do one of those things. The same mm -hmm. way they're excited about getting recruits for esports. So gotcha. it's it's a win-win, yeah. Um, well, because again, it, it's easier for the school too because they don't have to... I would imagine because they're not paying someone on like a salary or anything to come in and work, right? They're just paying their tuition. And that's it's almost seen as the it, same thing. Um, okay. Because it is the there, there, there is a cost because like the grad assistants I was talking to, because there was a couple that wanted to do law and pharmacy. Um, they would want to live for free on campus. So that's a cost. They'd want okay. that grad assistant scholarship for helping out. Um, they'd want the food. So it's it's a lot more than a normal recruit. Uh, but you're getting but more back. It seems that way with the school. Yeah. I haven't gone yeah. through the full process and seen, and I haven't talked to too many people. This, be, this would be a good topic to go over, like in a different episode of someone that has had a lot of grad assistance. <laughs> yeah, sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So to rewind a little bit on the original question, because we touched on it for a little bit, but I didn't want to interrupt the natural flow. Uh, you're good. You're good. The whole, with understanding, like, getting that repetitive recruiting going on in that ideal state of having recruits come in, maybe, like, a passive recruiting going on, um, I do think, like, when we got into knowing what division you are and if you can be competitive or not, or if it's feasible to get a good roster right from the get-go, uh, I think more people, more often than not, want to be competitive right from the get-go, and it's hard to do that. Um, and then also, let's say you do do that. I don't want to call anyone out by name, but I know stories of programs that do this. Like they are the people you look at that these like not Maryville per se, but like that type of school where you want to gain that that uh, that respect, gain that top tier echelon of competition. Um, and they've gotten there. The, the school, these schools have gotten there, and the reward at the end isn't what they thought it was going to be, right? So, like, mm -hmm. your your school may want just recruits. Now, when you turn that into your school wants recruits and you turn it into let's win and the school doesn't care about winning, 
you put more yeah. effort into winning than you did recruiting. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like you said, I think like the goals of the school is definitely like the biggest thing. Um, because like, even at the like division one sports level, right? Like if you took, I'll just use the SEC conference, uh, which yeah. is the most popular conference in division one for basically any athletic program. Um, the worst team, whoever that would be for, let's say football, is probably obviously they're going into here thinking like obviously if they can make the national championship that's awesome but you know players are realistic too they're not you know insane right um and so they understand that's probably not going to happen so ideally you set whatever those goals are is it beating your rival school is it yeah. making a run at your uh division within your conference because the sec has two different divisions within their conference is it finishing top three in that you know like you kind of set goals throughout the season. So like for what the top team in the SEC's competitive goals are, are going to be a lot different than maybe what the worst team is. And that still doesn't mean that the worst team isn't going to be competitive because for all you know, they could have a great season, you know, from what yeah. everyone thinks they, from what everyone predicts, maybe the worst team, you know, there's Cinderella stories all the time. Um, and so it kind of goes the same thing with like what you're mentioning where, um, you know, uh, if you took like CRL, for example, maybe a, a school's goal is like make it to top four within your qualifier it's not to win it now if you win it obviously yeah. that's awesome right but like it's not going to be the end all be all like it might be for a different school right because their expectations the recruiting practices, are different. i think the recruiting practices would be different then because if you are year by year you're in this division you're competing even with the example of the football team they're probably not going after the same recruits as the the winner from last year and the winner from the last couple of years within sure. that division they're probably i'm just guessing and assuming i don't know the sports world but like they probably have home games where that really good team comes in so maybe they're recruiting just so the team could have a showing fill a stadium maybe have that be a goal or maybe development could be the goal uh, point being is like a lot of these esports programs, I think they don't look at the spectrum of different goals they could have besides just the pure competing. Like it could yeah, be development I mean, based. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, also using that example is not going to be like to like just because um, at the end of the day, like basically any athlete who's like playing at a division one school is like really good. Yeah. Like they, they were one of the best players at their high school, like period, basically. Right. Now, anyone who plays maybe for like a division three school still can potentially be really good. Right. But that's where the talent pool gets like, you know, it gets worse. Right. Um, so um, to compare that, obviously, the esports, since like the visions aren't outlined in that way, um, I guess if you took the uh, similarity of a, you know, division one team in Rocket League. So I, I'll just use like West Virginia University as an example, like their expectations are to make CRL um, just because obviously if you look at their roster, you know, I don't, you know, why would you settle for less? Well, if you yeah. took a different school and let's say that's, they just have a bunch of like mid GC2s. Well, that's probably more the equivalent of like, you know, a D2 school in sports, right? Or something like that, um, whatever that would be. Um, you know, that's where, since they can still play. And that's the weird thing again with esports is like, technically speaking, any school can play any school. That's not the case in sports, right? So while they may still, they could run into West Virginia, and then all of a sudden, you know, their goals are clashing. So obviously, like you're saying, if that school GC2s can recruit an SSL player, that's awesome. 
but like their recruiting goals are probably not to bring in, you know, SSL caliber players. It's going to be more so recruiting around what their team currently is. Yeah. And it becomes like somewhat of a complicated conversation to have without putting a specific school to like fill in the details with. But sure. if there was a school like West Virginia or a state school where like the population is going to give you a good team and then you want to start an esports program to upkeep, like maybe the director wants to upgrade, upkeep that good team, but then the school wants you to do something different. I think there's a mix that needs to happen where you do align with what the school wants because long term, you're going to want things from the school. You're going to want a better facility. You're going to want to give more scholarship. You're going to want stuff from the school. And if you're not meeting the goals they want and you're just focusing on your own goals or the players' goals, you're doing a disservice to the program. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, that, like, it's always tricky because, you know, um, competitive can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of times when people think of competitive, it means, like, winning, right? And obviously everyone wants to win. But like I said, too, like at the end of the day in the sports world, like generally speaking for basically every Division One program, most D2 programs and a lot of D3 programs even, too. Like if, if you're not winning, like the coach is getting fired after a certain amount of years. Right. But winning to each school looks different. Like I, so like going back to that previous example, like some schools, their focus is within like their conference and it's they're in a rebuild year or like whatever. Right. Yeah. So to them, it's not as it's not a big deal necessarily, right? If they don't win X amount of games or X championships or whatever, um, but they probably put a like, big deal on like the rival school or someone that's close to their exactly. caliber. Yeah, rival schools, conference games, things like that. Now, if you took like Alabama football, if they go three straight years and they're not and they they have more losses than wins, like all of a sudden, you know, they're um, athletic director is going to be coming to Nick Saban being like, what are we doing? Yeah. Because their expectation is every single year they're in the college football playoff. Right. Um, and so, but again, to liken that to esports, it's just a completely different world right now because those divisions and things aren't directly outlined, like, you know, winning a nation championship, right? Well, you can also go and win that ACC. Uh, you can also go and play in this, right? So it, it looks a little bit different, but I would say like in terms of competition, competitive expectations, probably goes based on like what roster you have and the certain game you have. Um, but then also understanding your school in terms of what the school's pros and cons are will shape how you probably should go about your recruiting. Yeah. And to just stick with the competitive. So we'll categorize it as like, we're talking about competitive now. I'll bring up some of the other categories after, but we can just go through straight. Like let's assume the school does have some incentive to have a competitive team. So like now, how do you recruit for that? So roster is really important. I would give that like a 10 out of 10. Cause I mean, even in the amateur world and I came from amateur league of legends before I started doing collegiate anything, a player won't even talk to you unless they're convinced that roster is going to give them some asset to their career. They're going to win stuff. They're going to learn there. There's a better player than them that can teach them some stuff. They can... Yep get carried or showcase them they can carry a good player something like that yeah. or just like the popularity of the, the roster so roster i think is like key you, it's really hard to like start off a program and be like we're going to be competitive and unless you like get like if you're starting like a league roster unless you get like five people committed and signed and like showcasing proof that they're going to commit and sign you're just not going to have that from year one like at all 
I think it could be built, it could be developed. Uh, that's a little bit harder. You'd have to have like the coaching or like pay to use like Medify or something like that to build them up. But it's still no way it's going to be instant. You'd be extremely lucky for it to be instant. Um, do you agree? Like roster's pretty high up. Yeah, I mean, obviously roster is going to be probably. I mean, I guess you could argue scholarship is more important, but if you don't have the roster, then it makes it tough because generally, from what I see, you know, if you're if you're a school that has a team that is recruiting a player, you talk to the player, hey, we're recruiting for rock league team. Usually, one of the first questions the player asks is, "So who's on your team?" Right? Yeah. So if you say you don't have a team currently, you know, to most players, they're going to be like, "Eh, okay, well." This well what is it that you hear? Because they get to ask you what schools are out there. Are they saying like, "What are the best rosters?" Do you get to talk to many people that like are really good, but then don't know much about collegiate? Yeah. So though, so yeah, I get a lot of questions like who are the top teams or like maybe within their state, like they're from Florida, like who are some of the best schools for rock league in Florida or things like that. Um, it's going to be usually those questions and then scholarships, like who offers full rides or who offers full to it, which I know we'll get into later. Um, but um, those are generally going to be the top two questions that I get. Um, but since I, I've seen like a lot of conversations between recruit and coach, I know that like, I'll see like a brand new program. They get into a chat with a player. They say like, Hey, really excited to talk to you. We're looking to recruit for our Bowering team. One of the first things the player asks, so who's on your Bowering team? And then yeah. the coach says, well, we're actually building a team. So currently we don't have it. Right. And those, so some players, maybe that's appealing, but for, I'd say like most like high level players. And by that, if we're talking about like Valorant, say like anything like Immortal 2 Plus prior, like Immortal Plus, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if they're talking to, let's say, another school that has a full team, that's probably going to be more appealing. So I agree with you where you're, you know, it is it is very difficult to like basically just build a team on the fly within your first year. Mm -hmm. um, however, I would say that if you gave yourself enough time and used enough resources to recruit, I'd say it could be doable to do it within like a certain game or two. Now, if we're talking about like building a program, like three plus games or whatever, to all be competitive within like one year, I think that's 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 where it gets very tricky. Um, I think it is possible to do it for like a specific game, um, especially if you maybe have some connections within it or something like that. Um, yeah, I can give yeah. my example for how yeah. how I accidentally overcame the roster. Mm like gatekeeping that happens and it's a natural gatekeeping it's not like a malicious or bad thing it's just like natural how our players going to think how we're, like what we're talking about so like my first year at my school everyone was like gold in whatever game that we would play it'd be like if someone was plat or something that that was a rarity because small school mm -hmm. middle of nowhere no esports program no club no gaming anything um and i wasn't expecting anything more uh like i coach league so i'm able to fill a little bit of a gap with league specifically um i didn't even use that like i could have used that as like an asset to try to like manipulate not manipulate in a bad way but manipulate someone's decision to be able to come to my school and like i'll develop you and we can get a better team we can yeah it's like get this roster that you want yeah yeah and yeah. i didn't even use that what worked for me and this was complete accident there was no way i was going to predict this beforehand is when I'm talking to these players and like there'd be like really good players that would talk to me because they knew I coached amateur or some player said like talk to me I know what I'm talking about whatever I'm never talking about getting them to my school at all and a good amount of my players that I now have that are challenger or GM which I've 
I never thought I would get at my school. And we're like very close to being like top 32 ish. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I could go into details on that, but I'll skip that. Um, all, all it took for me was just being genuine with them and saying yeah. like, I don't have this. These other schools have this. They went to those other schools. Those directors didn't sound genuine. They came back to me and they said, I trust you just as a person. So like, there's so many like non tangible things that are going to work for recruiting. Like, even though like roster could be seen as like, this is the key thing. There are like small details that people care about. And you said in your example, you, you would talk to someone that would say like, what are the good, good schools in Florida? That's that Florida specific right there. Like someone could meet that market share for that student, right? Like I met the market share for a genuine dude. Someone could meet that market share of like in Florida, trying to be a good school or the best in Florida. Even if Florida doesn't have nationally a best ranking team, that's that student wants to be in Florida. So yeah, I mean to go off the genuine point too. Like I mean that's a good point because at the end of the day, like recruiting someone is basically like you're being sales for your program, right? Like you're trying yeah. to, and it, I mean obviously you're telling them, you know, I, I know you're looking for a really high scholarship amount, let's say, and like my school doesn't offer that. You should probably look at this school, or like whatever. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know not to say like you're forcing or manipulating necessarily kids to come to your school. Right. But at the end of the day, you're trying to sell them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to do, you definitely have to be genuine about it. Um, because a lot of players can see right through it if you're not. Um, and then like you said, that can be a big turnoff as well. Yeah. Even if you're offering a good roster and stuff, because you know, they're maybe nervous to go there and you know, maybe you'll lie to them or, or whatever. So, um, I mean, there are definitely seen cases of that too, where like, a player would go to a school, they come back to uh, stay plugged in in like two years or hit me up again and be like, hey, man, looking. And they said, like, you know, everything that I was told never happened. Yeah, um, I've, I've heard tons of stories so, on that. And that, I mean, usually people that are historied with jobs, doing director or coaches or whatnot, that's goes into the conversation we've been having in and out of you need to know what the school wants. And if you're trying to manipulate it to where you can you know, you're ignoring what the school is actually going to do, what the school is going to support, what goals you have to meet in order to get that support. Your your retention's just going to go down. And if your retention's down, your job's gone. And people don't learn yeah. this until like three, four years. I mean, there's people still doing it that have been working five years, but the school doesn't know how to follow these metrics of what's going on with these programs because they're in departments that usually don't follow this kind of stuff. Um, sure, but but it is sad. There's there's no there's no real overcoming it besides telling students, do your due diligence, talk to a lot of people, uh, talk to the players there, talk to past players there, talk to you because you're like the third party, where you know these stories, like, you know you don't need to name anyone, but there's probably like some school where it's like, you're telling the player to watch out, and it's within your job to tell them, but. When you're talking to us, you're always like on our side, you know, what can you do? You're trying to get the truth from it. I mean, I, I was, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I provide advice or tips on what I think a player should do um, in terms of talk to players, visit the school, um, you know, check out their academics, make sure that all, uh, you know, fits, make sure your parents have a conversation uh, with the coach, you know, all those types of things. There's other stuff as well. Play with the team before you commit to the school make sure you you know you at least yeah generally like the teammates that you're going to potentially have you know stuff like that um mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day it's not it's not my um place to be like you know 
do not go here because of like this, unless, you know, something like abhorrent is happening, right? Or things like that. Yeah. Um, at the I end would of the say day, it's your place. I mean, like you don't have to do it type thing, but I think you're one of the few professional official bodies that could objectively do that, you know? Like even even if someone would come to me and say like, what's good or bad about the school X? Um, I can say whatever, right? Anyone can say whatever. They sure. can say whatever about my school. But there's incentive for me to maybe not tell the truth. There's incentive for me to maybe manipulate the situation. But for you guys, as long as a student goes to a school, that's that's what you have to do. So Sure. I mean, if if someone asks me a question about, you know, what do I think about X or things like that, you know, I'll give my my thoughts. Um, but and in the sense of, you know, there's also been times where, like, a player will tell me they, uh, like, de let's say, actually, this kind of recently happened, they decommitted from a school because they, the school never told them until last minute, like, they wouldn't make their A team, they'd be on the B team. And the player was really good. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, because I always do, like, updates, and I'll let, like, coaches know what players are thinking, because, as we all know, players can be tough communicators sometimes. Um, yeah. And then the, and the coach told me um, that the player just never communicated with them that he was going to sign with them until the very last minute. They already recruited, they already had signed people for the A team. And so, yeah, and that's more evidence why you become like someone like you, a company like you, you guys become like the the truth aspect of what schools but but can and yes can't and no. do. It's yes and no because not, not if you're following there, but... through though. If you're falling through, but it's yes or yeah. no, because like, for example, if that player tells me that and like, let's say it takes me a while to get back to that or for the coach to get back to me in terms of what the actual reason was, because yeah. in that specific instance, I believe the coach over the player. Um, yeah. And and then let's say another player comes to me is like, hey, what did you think about what do you think about this university? Oh, well, recently they had one of our one of our players. They they kind of lied to him. They said that he'd be on the A team last minute. on the B team. I'm wrong. And and so yeah, because you didn't have the follow through yet. But if you exactly. did have the follow through, which like historically, year after year, you're going to have a better knowledge base for sure, what's sure. true and not true. Sure. And yeah, th I'm, that's what I'm saying is like that becomes kind of not your guys' job, but what people are going to see as an asset for you. Right. So yeah, like, that, I that's mean, fair. that's fair. If I'm talking to a player and they want to compare me with others and whatnot, and I want like a really true voice for me, I'd be looking for someone else to talk for me that they would yeah. actually believe. Yeah, like for example, if like, let's say I get a player who's looking to do online, right? Um, yeah. And and they they are looking through our website. They live in Ohio and they send me Ohio North. They're like, hey, this I think this school could be a good fit. Would you can you help me connect with them or whatever, right? Um, well, I would then tell them you know, they're probably not going to be a good fit for you because they don't allow for online. Yeah. You know, you you probably want to look at these other schools, right? So, And that's just turn, straight objective detail, like, boom. And you have that objective detail. Whereas, like, if I'm... Correct, correct. Let's say I don't have online, but then my boss one year is just like, you need to get recruits. I don't care. Do whatever. And I know I can maybe try to, like, do something weird with an online student, just, like, get a recruit or something. Because when people get desperate, they do weird stuff. And that's usually the the bad cases that you see, um, but it's just able to happen, right? Yeah, um, but I guess my thing is like I never really sit in like definites, right? So like I'm never going to say you should not talk to Ohio Northern, 
I would just say they probably won't be a good fit. I can still happily connect you with Troy, who's the director there. So you can learn more about their program, but they, you know, from what I know, they don't offer online. So I always go based off what I know, but I also don't operate in definites of like, you should not do this or do this. Right. I would still say you can connect with them unless, like I said, like, I don't know, I'm hearing like some whack stuff, like you're saying, where it's just like really weird or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stuff that maybe a lot of players don't know about, but is maybe some, a lot of other people know about whatever. Um, but yeah, over time, obviously there's going to be more things that, you know, obviously I'm going to know things like that, but since obviously it's still so new, you know, obviously still have a lot of like directors coming in, leaving new people coming in, all those types of things. Um, programs also change a lot too. So I do rely on like what, what you're telling me in terms of like what you're recruiting for. Um, I rely yeah. a lot on that too, because I go based off the info. I know, like, as I know, you don't offer online, but let's say that change. And again, I'm just using this as a current example, hypothetically, yeah. and then it changes to next year where you do. Right. Well, you know, if I don't know that, you know, it's going to be hard for me to say, oh, yeah, they offer online, but I can still at least give an objective opinion based on the facts or the uh, information I know that are most up to date. Um, and so I guess that's kind of where I operate. Um, but I, so I don't with, really go ahead. With like any bad details that you would learn, which are not really. So like, sure, there's details of like, is there online? Yes, no. Is there a facility scholarship? Where is it located? Like all these normal objective details. There's probably some details coming at you where it's like a, a bad case scenario and it's a repeating bad case scenario. Are you guys keeping like a knowledge base on that at all? Or is it just like um, in your head and like you're trying your best I mean, to remember I, I for do, people? But at the same time, like for example, I know like this program I'm talking about, I'm not going to name them, but I've seen people on Twitter talk crap about them. Yeah. One player that was one of our first recruits that ever came through stay plugged in is currently at that school and loves the place. Yeah. So, you know, that's where it makes it tricky where at the end of the day, we are a player first service. We're going to mm -hmm. do our best to help every player we can and to the best of our ability. And so that's why I say again, unless I'm hearing things that are just like, and I really have not heard anything that I'm even met like this. I'm not even talking about anything. Like I really haven't heard anything that I would say is like abhorrent. So, you know, yeah. maybe there's things you've heard that would underlie that and stuff like that, but I personally haven't. So um, I will never tell a player like you should not go here unless like, I just don't think it's going to be a good fit. And even then I would tell them like, Hey man, I don't think it's going to be a good fit for you. Um, but you know, if you still want to connect with them, I'm happy to, you know, just let me know. Um, because um, I've seen places where you know students will leave transfer and say like man that was not a good experience and then the next year we have a player commit there and they're still there or they're graduating yeah and it's just the you dependencies know? of what a player wants like people are different yeah, for like whatever the league of legends team they're just combust yeah yeah but the rock league team is really good and they're doing yeah. fine you know um and and so that's what makes it tricky and that's why i say like i don't really you know i i mean on the stuff on twitter all the stuff i see it obviously all the drama i stay out of it i don't delve into that stuff um, you know, sometimes I'll have coaches or players ask me like, oh, did you see what happened with that school or whatever? Um, and, you know, I mean, I take note of it, but um, it's just not my place to say like you should not. What, who am I to say, tell a player you cannot um, continue your life journey by going to this school? Yeah. You know, um, so I can. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying you should either. Yeah. And I'm not saying you said I should. I'm just saying like to kind of go off of what you're saying, where it's like, do you tell players where to go or. You know, I don't know if maybe other coaches out there think I we push players to certain schools or not, uh, but we don't. You know, we, I take at face value what a player is looking for um, academically, in-game, 
uh, location, everything. Um, and yeah. I just give them, you know, in my opinion, what are going to be the best schools off of that. Um, and that's more so the school at face value and in terms of what their program represents more so than like based off, you know, more um, those types of things. So um, and yeah, I think that, you that's see kinda... more of the, sorry, I think you see more of the, uh, the more responsible programs and schools out there. Cause like you guys are a paid service for the most part. And it's going to be someone that's like consistently knowing how to use their budget, doing correct things. Usually the bad case scenarios are either new schools or desperate schools that are like trying to upkeep uh, recruitment numbers or something like that. Um, I mean, the bad cases I've seen, I don't think I've seen the program stick around too long. They'll like lose the staff member or whatnot. Like the worst case I've seen that's happened year after year, I won't name the school. Uh, but the only reason I know about this is because it was a player that was talking with me. He wasn't a good fit for my school. And I was like leading him to other schools, to, like try to find something. International student didn't know like different international countries. They just have a different uh, hierarchy of like schooling. It's not like middle school, high school, college for them. Yeah, it's yeah. something else. Yeah. And uh, they just didn't know what normal was here they didn't know if a two-year college and a four-year college were the same thing and offered the same thing they thought i don't know they just didn't do their due diligence and mm -hmm. they ended up coming to the country putting a lot of resources into it coming here and it was just completely bad and he had told other friends to come like years after him and they committed as well uh that school's not around anymore but i'm still not going to name them but when you see something bad like that that's like noteworthy it just doesn't sound like you haven't seen something like that I didn't go there into all the details, but it, it yeah. was a worse. I mean, we don't, yeah, I mean, at the end saying. of the day, we don't work with like every school, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I don't have maybe as wide of a a net to cast maybe as you do because, um, but also then, you know, I um, have worked with like new programs, veteran programs, things like that. But I guess from my perspective, I do know, like I said, with that one school, like, you know, I've seen people talk crap about them and all those types of things. Um, and yet, you know, we have someone that's still there that is super sat satisfied with where he's at um, and loves it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's not to say, I'm not saying like that specific school did anything maybe in compar comparable to the school you're referencing or whatever. Um, but I guess my my point overall um, in general is kind of like, you know, we kind of delve in the, um, you know, this is what the school is about. This is everything about it. This is what their program looks like. This is where they're located. These are the academics. I personally know based on what their coach told me, they're, most, they're best at nursing, they're best at computer science and that you're looking to do, you know, all those types of things. Um, and, and that's kind of where I operate off of that. Um, because yeah. also a lot of times, and I've seen it a lot of times, if the director's being more like fake or lying or things like that, a lot of times you'd be surprised they can see right through it. Oh, no, I'm not, I, a, I, not surprised at all. I mean, I, I know the players, I, the majority of players, there's some that can get manipulated and that sucks. But the majority, they, they know they have a good intuition for it. And I hear yeah, that all the time. And uh, and a lot of times I've had people tell me like out a lot of times ask them like, Hey, why'd you decide to go to this school? And they're like, I just really like the coach. A lot of yeah. times that, like you said, can be the, the difference, even if they're spending 8,000 more dollars on school or like whatever. Yeah. Um, or maybe the team's a little bit worse or like whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, being like personable, being genuine, all those types of things definitely, in my opinion, can go a long way. Um, even though it may not seem like it, for like a new director out there that's like just start a program or whatever. Um, yeah. But like, you know, a player does not want to just go to a school and be another name. I didn't when I went to play baseball. 
Like, you know, you don't just want to be another person there. You want to feel like you have a, a director that's like, that's there for you. Um, and yeah. that, that can be a big part of it too. And this whole tangent of like, uh, if there's any bad details coming at you and do you track it type thing, I was just going down a rabbit hole of like, assuming like something could happen in the future. What are you going to do? And I was just having fun with it. But like, no, you're good. what we were talking about was like roster and competition, still talking about the competitive like recruitment. Um, what would you put on like facilities? at one out of 10 importance um, average importance for a player so and I'd this is again like, for a competitive a, a competitive recruit like you're looking for yeah, either like mid-level competition like best in state or best in nation yeah um i think you have it probably like in that third or fourth range so it's not going to be one of the top things but it's it's definitely a factor um and i think like if you have a facility that's like over the top, it can be something that pushes the player over. Like it can be one of those things where like, if, if we're comparing, let's say you're looking at a recruit and then you have X school looking at a recruit and let's say X school's facility is better than yours. It can push that student over, you know, if, if everything else is like pretty similar. Um, but I don't yeah. think it's something where like, you know, Hey, Hey man, looking to recruit for the Ballard team. Here's our facility. Here's our scholarships, everything. And the first thing in their mind is like, oh my goodness, I have to go there because of their arena. Yeah, but outside of comparing schools, just like the players thought in general of what they're looking for. So like, yeah, roster, but then I would put facilities not that high up there. I mean, like That's you're what saying. I'm saying. I the... wouldn't, like it's not one yeah, of yeah. the top things. Yeah. But see, there's a lot of people, this is, this is where it gets like confusing, where it's like, you'll be at a school where they put a lot of their money into their facilities. Like if they have hundred thousand dollars to do whatever is going to be a bad example but just to keep it with an even number uh to hire people give scholarship do all that and they spend like ninety thousand of it uh on facilities your goal shouldn't then be to like start getting high-end competitive players it's just not going to fit the algorithm does that make sense yeah yeah and i think that's another pitfall that people fall into um just giving like some empathy to the player. Uh, I think a lot of people like already know this and they start to learn this, whereas like facilities doesn't fill that blank for like high end stuff. And that's why you're seeing like a lot of these national teams. I mean, yeah, there's uh, counters to this argument. I think St. Clair has like an awesome facility, but then I think they also have online players that don't care too much about the facility. Uh, same, there, there'd be like example after example where this is somewhat the case or like opposites are happening. They have a not good facility, but the player doesn't care. They play online. Um, yeah, but... I think like, I think like for example, like I guess to better frame it, like I think roster is basically something that's important to any player. Yeah. While facility is more player by player basis. Yeah, Some but I think it'd care. be really rare to find oh, no. someone that cares. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, some players may care about some don't. I mean, I definitely think, like, having, like, some base level facility that is, like, solid, you know, like, nothing, like, crappy maybe or anything, um, like, may, you know, may not be so good. But, you know, having, like, a solid base to work from, um, I think for most players is, like, good enough. Um, but then, you know, you have some players where, yeah, it, you know, maybe it's, like, something that pushed over the top. But I guess, like, just generally speaking, player by player, like, it's definitely not probably – like, I don't really see a player ask me, like, you know, who has, like, no player asks me, like, who has the best facility. Yeah. You know. What about uh, staff and coaching? One out of ten. Um, I think that's probably more important than facilities. Um, just because at the end of the day, a lot of people want coaching. 
development, things like that um, for high level players, maybe looking to continue that path through a professional level or amateur level after college. Um, and so either having a coach on staff that maybe has some connections there or is able to push them, develop them even further um, is, is pretty important to them. Um, that, that I definitely get that question a lot more than I get the facilities. So, yeah, like I rated uh, facilities two out of 10. I gave staff and coaching five out of 10. And I would put staff and coaching higher, but I think what a lot of players find out from most schools is there aren't people there that could coach them because they're already really good and they're not going to get that much of an asset from a coach. But then there is, to your example, there's going to be staff out there that do have a connection with some team, could route them. You know, there is a route that the player wants, maybe a pro route. And also, I that is starting to happen more and more. Yeah. Also, coaching in general, just in esports, this is just a. It's still developing, right? Like when you compare to like sports, right? Like coaching is developed. Like you have all these different coaches. And even if like you get a high level player, because at the end of the day too, like there's coaches in sports that can't necessarily maybe fully help develop the best player currently in college baseball. Like that dude's already going to get drafted and is a a top notch player. Um, But it's about being maybe a mentor for them being yeah. challenging them in other ways right maybe maybe they don't eat good and they change their diet and that's like the most important thing to them so it's almost like by a coach i even mean just like as a director or being the head of that team it's almost like just being able to challenge them whether that's in game out of game whatever it is that's going to help them just be a better person and player right um because like yeah, you said no, too, I believe can, that... yeah like I'm, a coach should be able to see what a player expects of themselves and a coach, regardless of the skill that they have, should know what they can do to push them past that expectation, if that makes sense. And yes. it could be all kinds of things. There's this huge spectrum for it. There's like the people aspect, the mental aspect, the mediator of like just people conversations and interpersonal relations and whatnot. Uh, as a coach develops, they start to learn all these things, especially as like esports coaches develop, they start to see like especially with uh coaches that are handling multiple games they see it's not just like things they're gonna teach in game so like i know nothing about valorant but my valorant players who are all like mortal plus they come to me wanting me to sit in their vod reviews wanting me to sit in their arguments and just like organize things because i'm like i'm I'm decent with like the interpersonal relationships and having people overcome like uh differences in goals and differences in arguments and whatnot um yeah, I mean, that's, that's I think it's really time. hard. Sorry, I didn't want to forget, but um, you were saying it's still developing, like coaching still developing in esports and especially collegiate esports. I, I think that becomes like a really sad story, be and like it'd be a really long conversation, but there's not that much room for them to grow because we're, we're wearing so many different hats. I mean, you probably hear this story all the time of like there's directors that are they're they're supposed to be coaching, they're supposed to be managing. They're handling like all the logistics of like going to lands and recruiting and school stuff. It, they're, they're spread way too thin to have that much time to develop themselves. And, and that's, like, yeah. that's what I do in the summers. Like I, I care about developing like my League of Legends coaching skills. And like in the summers, that's what I'm putting effort into because I have time to do so. But it's still not as good as if there's someone that's just a coach. So like Illinois State has just a coach for League and he's probably just upping his skill all the time, right? especially when you're someone running a whole program, potentially like by yourself or those types of things. Um, it's basically going to be impossible to like correctly coach all your teams. That's not a knock on anybody. You just don't have the time. I mean, if, if you had a, 
athletic director running three different sports teams, he would not be able to coach a baseball team, a football team, and the swim team. Yeah. Right. And that's where um, we are. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not as big so, as that yet, but yeah. So that's why the coaching question is tricky because like if you have coaches on staff and that looks good and like technically not having coaching coaches on staff is like a knock, but it's not really a knock because that's just kind of like the state it's in, mm-hmm. you know? What about scholarship? Would you rate that out of 10? It's right Important. up there with roster. Really? I put it a lot lower. Um, okay. But I guess my example would be uh, some of these players coming in at the top echelon. What they care most about is being seen competing in those things and like maybe going pro. And some of them, I think, actually have the money to not care about the scholarship. Uh, but this is like I think... somewhat speculation on my side. It's just my thoughts at the moment. Yeah, from what I see, mostly it's more so like, you know, at the end of the day, um, everyone as you know, the world gets yeah. more expensive. People want to save the most money they can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when money gets comparable, I think that's when you see the other things grow in importance. Yeah. It's like, is a half scholarship uh, compared to an 80% scholarship, is there any difference? Like, I think that's a massive difference. Um, assuming that like, we're talking about like, let's say, you know, the school has interest from the player on both sides, right? Like th- not that the 80, the school is offering 80% has a terrible roster and doesn't have academic programs they're interested in and stuff like that. But assuming that they're interested in both, like that's, in my opinion, like a massive difference. Um, I mean, I have, yeah. I've had schools tell me all the time, like, the number one reason why they get turned down. Like they like the director, they like the director, they like the team, but scholarship's not enough. Yeah. So for like high level players, I think it's um, it's going to be very important. For like more the lower tier, even just like kind of mid-level, like maybe mid-GC, ascendant, even like low mortal, whatever. Um, you, you know, you can find those players out there that are – fine with like spending you know money on school and like look at the program as a way to keep developing their skills because they understand they're not at that like top level yet and like my scope and history of like answering like the importance of uh scholarship it's uh a lot of the league players that i did have on my amateur team back in the day that went on to play on different like academy teams and whatnot for lcs they they just had a lot of money so that's the history that i came back with it and i'm sure there's like Rocket League is probably a completely different story where it's uh, there's not as much money in it. It's not as like structured, not a franchise involved where they're just getting paid a lot of money. And that's probably why you're seeing like even pros coming into school still wanting good scholarship, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I think every game's market is a little bit different. Like personally, in my opinion, the League of Legends market's ridiculous for scholarships yeah. in college. <laughs> for no I mean, reason. I've seen like, <laughs> I've seen high plat, low diamond level League of Legends players where like they're... Um, expectation is they're getting a full ride. And I've seen schools offer near to like high diamond players, which is, well, that's, is that the equivalent of like a low ascendant Bauer player? Uh, like yeah, a yeah, diamond yeah. level Bauer player, yeah. right? Like yeah. that would be absurd in Bauer, right? So like. Um, and see, it's due to the population. So like, I, I, I'm exactly. like very in tune with like this conversation. Cause like, I really like league. I want my team to survive. I want all the teams to survive. I wanted to keep being a thing. But then when you start to compare it to Valorant, it's like whatever the Division One player is in Valorant, it's way lower for League just because League is just an older game. A lot of those players are not high school and college players. You're just not going to get those recruits. 
So, exactly. I mean, the only reason I was able to keep up is because I'm a league coach and I can develop them. Like, I got plat players. I gave them decent scholarships. I got, like, Diamond 3, Diamond 2 players, gave them decent scholarships. And those are now my GM players pushing challengers. Some of them hit challenger recently. Uh, but nice. that's just my story. I'm lucky with that. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, but that goes back to your original point, too, of, like, expectations of the school, right? Where if you're a school that isn't offering high amounts of scholarships, like, in my opinion unless you are just like a really good coach or you have connections and you know, you can get players in yeah. like, in my opinion, it's going to be pretty pointless for you to try to pursue recruiting a full SL level rocket league team, for example. Right. Yeah. And that's where it gets into, you know, you may see coaches out there where they're not under, like, they're just obviously, and I understand like you want to be competitive. You don't want to just sit there and see your team to lose. No one does, but yeah. you have to understand the, um, what you're given to and you just be successful within that. Um, you know, like I said, you, you set the goals there to perform well in whatever leagues you're doing, divisions, whatnot, and you may see growth and it, it may surprise yourself. Um, so, um, and also maybe over time too, as you get more admin support, things like that, scholarships can increase too. Yeah. That, and this is a good tangent right? into like, yeah. And this is like a really good, like segue into going into the other points. So like for a while, I, I can't, we've been talking so long about like competitive recruiting it'd be hard to like give everything we just talked about, but starting to think about the idea of aligning with the goals of the school and meeting those goals is going to give you something. And maybe that aligns with your own personal goals. Uh, there's, there's other avenues. So like one of them could be just recruiting raw numbers. And there's probably a ton of schools that just want a lot of recruits. They don't care about the competition. They don't care about winning. Even if you wanted to think that they care at the end of the road, when you do start winning, you're not getting anything, right? So there's probably plenty of examples of schools that are doing that. So in the terms of like getting raw numbers, um, you don't really th have to think too much, or I guess you do. So with getting raw numbers, it's the more traditional players, the more academic based. Yes, academics is a constant with all of this because we're in collegiate, you, like you have to have their degree, has to be like accredited, they have to care about it. Now, what are some of these things that you're trying to do to strategize to get the raw numbers. And like, we're still talking about like, even though it was like an hour ago where we said this, we're trying to get like that ideal setting for recruiting. Um, like the raw numbers fits perfectly into like passive recruiting in my mind. Um, passive recruiting would be like, you establish these relationships with high schools. I don't think middle schools are happening yet. Uh, and you're just trying to put less hours into recruiting, but you're still getting the recruits. And if it's raw numbers, that's a hard thing to do because you're trying to get a lot of them, right? Any thoughts on anything with that? I mean, yeah, I mean, part of it, like, are the goals. So a lot of times I'll see kind of like anywhere from like eight to 20 a year is like what a lot of people are looking for, like to recruit per year, somewhere in that range. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously the higher you get, um, that, that becomes trickier. I mean, it, it's, I think it's really about, and I had this conversation with the coach probably about like three weeks ago. Um, like don't necessarily try to kill yourself by trying to get into like seven games. Maybe instead just have three games and then you have like three, three A teams, three B teams. Or if, if you find yourself being able to recruit a lot, a lot of Rocket League players, then you have ABC. Or like whatever yeah. you want to tell them, whatnot, right? I also and think a lot because, of people. Uh, go on. Go Sorry. On. Well, I was saying when people try to then do your passive recruiting instance, where it's like, okay, I need, let's say, like thirty people. Um, 
well, then they're like, okay, well, then I need a Rocket Team, Power Team, a League of Legends team, Overwatch, Apex, like whatever. Yeah. But then it's like come like April of that recruiting year, it's like, man, I only have one Rock League of Legends player committed. I don't have anything for Apex. It's like, just cut it. You know, by once you realize it's like not working, cut it and just go to like what's working. Um, yeah. And that makes sense when I, you're first starting. But when it's like something that's repeating, that wouldn't be a strategy you're able to do. So like I've had an Apex team. Um, or let me let me go with something that like wasn't recruiting well. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I had a ro or rainbow team and I, I just had a ton of players for rainbow when I first started. I had like 20, 30 players just for rainbow. And in the recruiting year, uh, naturally, not that many players were coming in. We'd have to put a lot of effort into getting those rainbow recruits. So like when I was deciding to cut, and I think I said this off stream before we were talking, I went from four or 11 games in fall semester last year to four games because my school is one of those raw number schools. Um, but I wasn't able to upkeep the work. So I convinced the school, we're not going to get these raw numbers because I can't do the work. Let's make it responsible. Um, our, Rainbow was one of the games I dropped because the passive recruiting wasn't there. And passive recruiting has to do with like the popularity and whatnot. And then it also has to do with all the dependencies of like, are the high schools doing it? Are you guys seeing a lot of recruits for it? Are other services having players that are there for it? Um, and uh, it was probably an okay time to answer this question. Can you see it at the bottom? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think there's a difference in providing more scholarship for League versus Valorant based on the number of schools that will fill the team? Uh, I, yeah. It goes like yes yeah. and no for me. I mean, you can go, you can go. I mean, I just think it's based on like what you mentioned where currently in League of Legends, there's less really good players than there is in Valorant. So Valorant has a big influx currently in terms of scholarships and stuff, or in terms of uh, players, right? So if like one Immortal 3 is like, ah, you, know, you guys don't offer enough, you can just go on to the next one, potentially, right? But in League of yeah. Legends, it's like, if you find a master's jungler, it's almost like you need him or like you're not getting a master's player. Not that that's actually true, but that's more so what it feels like. Yeah, but it becomes a question for the director and the school giving the resources to that director like that director is going to end up being smart about what he wants to spend his resources on like if he sees leagues dying and like if i spend a lot of money this year on that master's jungler and then four years from now i think i'm just like not going to see that many people it'd be a poor investment uh correct and that's something we always have to look for i mean when i was first starting my program and i was like again with the raw numbers um I was like, what games can I bring on that actually have a shot of like staying here for four years? And then I was thinking longer than four years because I have my law degree and my uh, pharmacy degree. I didn't want to recruit any player that would end up being sad in the middle of their career as a student because the game gets dropped naturally or I have to drop the game or something. So like when I was bringing on Fortnite, this was like seven years ago, I was like, Fortnite's still in its fad phase and it's just not going to last. And I super debated bringing it on. Um, and then I did bring it on. I felt bad for bringing it on. I was like, okay, I just don't think it's going to develop. And still, I still don't think it developed as well as some other games. Like if you start comparing games and what you're going to invest in, you're like, if you had to choose four, like I had to choose four, it's League, Valorant, Overwatch, Rocket League. And like, there's probably games that are going to be coming at Overwatch's heels soon. Uh, just pure prediction, different, different argument completely. But it's all, it's all a dependency-based argument on like, Sure, there becomes like some love that you have as a director or a person trying to like do the game you know. Like for me, like I coach league in no way 
Like, I'll probably let resources die into League just because I know I can upkeep <laughs> developing it. Yeah. I can still get some uh, personal resume development from me coaching it further. And, like, maybe, like, if a D1 school comes into it and they're like, all right, we're going to hire, like, a coach for each game, maybe I want to go be that League coach. Like, I'd still... It's just so many dependent things that go into a question like that of, like, are you going to give more per game? And, I, I mean, I actually did that in the past, too. So, like... Uh, I have a thing where I give 2000 to every student and any stellar student that's going to up the competitiveness of that team, I can give more. Uh, and it's been close to like, they're only paying like 4,000 a year in college here, even with like mm -hmm. housing and whatnot. Um, but I've never given that to a Counter-Strike player, even though I've had good Counter-Strike players. I've never given it to a uh, Rainbow player just because I thought like these games could die. It, could be a poor investment the structure might not be there maybe high school because when you start thinking in terms of high school there's like no high schools that are allowing csgo and rainbow and like if a student is there and they're like i want to be seen by spin i want to go to these lands i want to do this state competition why wouldn't they just play valorant or overwatch or something like that and i know this is arguments that i would be having if i was a high schooler and i know these high schoolers currently are having so yeah it, yeah it goes all over the place Especially when you get yeah. like personal thoughts in there. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I've never had to sit down and obviously figure out what's going to be a good investment for my school since um, I've never done that. Kind of obviously like the mainstays and then you could potentially include Smash into that um, kind of um, just because that game obviously is kind of unique. Um, yeah. But then after that, you get into what I, I call the more like niche titles where some programs have them, some programs don't. Mm -hmm. um, usually because they're not the the most popular game or they're usually not too popular in high school, things like that. Yeah. Like um, Smite or something or what's going to be Omega Strikers. Even, even Apex. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but currently, I think a coach was telling me like there's not really anywhere to play currently in college for Apex, so they just play in like the amateur I club. Had, yeah, I had nine teams. I had one really good team, two like meh teams that would be like a normal traditional player that could play like if I think ECAC does have it now, but there's like some conferences. The thing is, like a new person getting into it, it'd be really hard to find those conferences. You just have to like know and have experience. But in the first couple of years of us doing Apex, and it was also COVID, we we weren't finding anything. Like we were on AVGL trying to find like random standalone Apex tournaments. Um, we're lucky enough in Ohio where there's like a ton of schools nearby. We can host our own thing. Uh, yep. We have Belong in Columbus. We have Viral in Dayton. This is the Land Center. We yep. have uh, Game Arena in Columbus. And there's a top level in Cleveland, like all within like two hours of us. So like any land that they would do, my students are still feeling fulfilled because we could just like drive to that. Cost no money, like 200 bucks a day and we just go, boom. But I know there's a lot of programs where it's like, like if you're in Utah and you have no one around you, what are you going to do? There's like yeah. no online stuff. Yeah. That's why it's I just a debate say, you have to have. Yeah. Like, it surprises me sometimes when I'll see a college that is like, let's say, recruiting for like Overwatch 2, League of Legends, and like Apex, but not Rocket League. It's like, why? Yeah. Unless uh, maybe, yeah, it's, you know, it's a relevant a argument. Of, yeah. Unless, unless, again, they've had like really good success with Apex for whatever reason. But if, if not, and like that's just what they want to do, I'm just like, you know, maybe they, maybe they just don't have that data um, or like they're brand new. They just haven't experienced that yet or whatnot. So, not just like throw them under the bus or anything like that. But I do, you know, I'll see a school or a new school and it's like, I'm recruiting this. And like one of the titles 
is like Hearthstone or one of those, you know, what I call like the more niche schools um, yeah. or not schools, uh, titles, and they leave out like Rocket League, which in my opinion, the easiest just simply because a lot of people play it on console as well. And you only need yeah. three people. You don't need yeah, five. I mean, you don't see many programs that don't have Rocket League. But no, there definitely are schools where it's like, um, man, there's a school that starts with a D, but also I shouldn't be naming any schools, but like they have a really good Counter-Strike team and you don't see very many schools with a Counter-Strike team, but then maybe they won't have a league team or even Akron, for instance, like Akron has an awesome Rocket League team, but then they don't even have league anymore. But league kind of self-explains that a but little bit. But I would say, yeah, like I would say league is a trickier one just because of the yeah. what we mentioned with like the... what. It, it's harder to recruit for that game. I guess when I yeah. mean so, like specifically for like right now, it'd be like Rock League and Valorant. Like in yeah. my opinion, unless it's like still your school Overwatch. doesn't allow. I think Overwatch. there's gonna be a few more years of Overwatch. I think people really sleep on how many middle schoolers and high schoolers are playing it and are gonna keep that playing it. And you'll you'll just get That's those true. passive. I mean, I recruit last year I had 60 recruits, and I think like 20-ish, 25 of them were just Overwatch. And I'd put almost no effort into finding them. They just like knew about my teams, knew about my program, saw us at lands. We hosted lands that had them at it. And that's like that passive recruiting we got into. And uh, with the question of like fresh out of college esports coach, um, this is kind of what we're talking about now. Uh, we've been talking about like how to get those raw numbers and try to just fill in like what are your strategies you can do. So we've been arguing on like of not really arguing, but just like talking about you could you could have the route of get many teams for a couple games and just have like a varsity roster playing in one conference, JV roster playing in another, have a third string that's in club. And this is exactly what I do for my program. Or you could have many games. And I did both strategies for the past like three years. And it was just insane for me. Like I got really good numbers. I think nationally recruiting numbers, I was one of the top because I was pushing like 60 to 75 recruits a year. Uh, and it's because I just, had a ratio for scholarship, so that was one thing that helped, and we can get into that later. Um, I had those multiple teams per game, and then I had a ton of games. I had 11 games. Um, like I had a TFT team. I had a Hearthstone team. I had Apex. I had Fortnite. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that. I mean, you'll make your school happy, but then you'll die. Like You will not be able to upkeep with what your players want you to do. Your retention numbers are going to fluctuate. Uh, your players aren't going to be happy. You won't be able to mentor. Most of the things that you would want to do, you won't be able to do trying to meet the school's like raw number metrics. So I don't know. There's a responsibility thing you have to meet where you're doing what you want to do and what you can do and then meeting what you can for the school in terms of like just getting as many recruits as you can. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, go on. like, again, from an outside perspective, um, never working with a college or at a college um like i personally always target like go with what's popular that's just where the numbers are um and then you can build out from there like you mentioned like eventually you know you can't have necessarily like eight rocket league teams right if you're looking to like really scale um and then maybe from there you can increase maybe like two years from now you have a new game that becomes popular as well that you can build out or like go on a call of duty like whatever um but in terms of like when you're trying to first focus on and like kind of show your admin this is going to work and like you can bring in these numbers like i like just go off what's popular because you know it's going to be there um and it's just crazy to me how many times i'll talk to like a 13 year old bound player who's like immortal too and i'm just like what you're already that good and you're 13 um and it's just like the amount of like young talent in that game specifically but even rocket league it's like you know a lot of high schools have it um even though it is a shooting game as 
kind of everyone knows it's it's not you know like Call of Duty or CS:GO in the sense of like the realism and the terminology and stuff like that. So yeah. high um, schools are just, allowing it. Exactly. So it's just yeah. really growing. Um, and so like in my opinion, it would like behoove you to go into like Apex Legends over Valorant. And yeah. unless again you have already like a built out pipeline or connections or places to go that you know can probably be successful for Apex or something like that. You know, but I mean, even if you did have that, you're still doing extra work to keep that alive. And it probably yes. won't even be as fruitful of just having Valorant and just getting the the normal students you would for whatever degree you have at your school. Your school is going to have reasons students are coming. You just fit in the popularity metric of like, we're an esports program. We should have the games that are popular to these students and you will get those passive recruits as long as you have some means of having them know about you. And those means would be like, talk with your departments. So like marketing or admissions or anyone that has like that outreach to students that are helping recruit or recruiting for those other degrees. And they should have like something you stick into. Like for my school, we have like a backend uh, software that when they're applying, they can say, what are you interested in? And if eSports is one of those check boxes they do, then it leads them to an interest form. And then I can see that and start mingling with them. I would assume that most schools have something like that. And it's I wasn't, when I got the job here, I didn't get a meeting that told me about this. I had to set up different meetings with all these departments and just find out what is available to me. Because every school is going to have some way of helping you. You just yeah. need to go out and find that if they don't find you. I think the really responsible school is going to find you and have you just go into an annual meeting or something like that. Or you have a really good boss that's like leading you to this stuff. But for the most part, I would say the majority of people just need to make their own meetings with as many departments as they can even if it's a waste of time and you find out it's not going to be something that helps you so like even like this would sound oxymoron but uh for my school we have a communications and marketing department and what i see is a lot of the things i think they should help with they just don't do it's just not within like their 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 scope of work and the only way you can know that is just talk to them and say i need this can you help and yes or no boom and then you just move on yeah and i mean to go back to that, um, to this question as well. Um, also, the big thing, in my opinion, is like use everything you can. Use, if you're, uh, well, your school specifically since Bluffton's in Ohio, like, you know, if you can attend any esports Ohio events, you know, use recruiting platforms if that's something like your school can, you know, pay for or use. Um, use, you know, attend lands if you can. Like you mentioned, Ohio, there's a lot of different land centers around. So if you're in a state where, that's available, like, you know, do a bunch of different things. Don't rely on like one specific thing. Um, because I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Troy, but I'm sure like when you were growing your program like that, like you use probably multiple avenues to reach out. Like I know you've hosted some esports Ohio stuff. I know you've used Stay Plugged In um, and you know, you've been in, di uh, use Discord messaging. Like you can put stuff on Twitter, like anything, um, host camps, like anything possible to potentially attract um recruits because um i you know i personally feel like if you just rely on one sole thing you're probably going to be disappointed yeah i mean uh, to give like actual numbers like when year one they gave me a year one to only recruit and build the program so i had a lot of time to explore all these different avenues but back then there weren't that many avenues like if my year one was right now i'd be able to fill my entire day with stuff like email listings different recruiting platforms discord messages on different uh servers where like colleges are spamming what they have i'm sure there's 
students looking through those spam. Like you may be sitting there like, what am I doing putting spam into this chat? But there's probably there. I mean, there are students looking through that. Like they're looking for like a picture of facility, scholarship, where it's located. Like if you fit into one of these random metrics, boom, you like potential recruit. And another thing I wanted to like make sure to say, because there's a lot of people out there like that are given esports programs to try to support a school that may be dying or a school that may not recruit well. And they think, okay, you put esports in here, it's going to do better. Yeah, it is. Maybe not to the level that they're being told and advised that it could be boosted, the recruiting could be boosted. You have to like somewhat stand your ground. Like, don't get fired. Like, don't <laughs> don't have my advice be like stand your ground and get fired. But you have to stand your ground and know that a majority of the recruiting is going to come from outside of what you're able to provide. Like, the degree has to be there. The school needs to be what the student wants. It needs to be in the place the student wants. Scholarship, like, there's a lot of metrics that you can't really control. But what you can start to see is like when you're having these conversations with players. The same way me and you have conversations with these players, we see what they want. And like when we're rating these things that they want, you're going to have it or you're not. So like if you're thinking I want to get a, like a really good competitive team and we went through like an hour long talk of like, do you have a roster? All right. Not give up, but like do some kind of different strategy. Uh, and, it, and it's the same here. I think I have like a, yeah, I wrote down like, what would you rate? one out of 10 for like all these metrics for traditional players. And most of your raw numbers are going to be traditional players. I mean, I, I've recruited a lot of bronze players for every game. That's no big deal. Sometimes they're my casters. Sometimes they end up getting good and then joining JV and then from JV to varsity eventually. Like they have four years there. Four years in a competitive player's uh, history could be enough time to get really good. I mean, when Valorant came out, like within a year, some of those top players are still the top players now. So it's like the metric could be one year. Uh, I've seen players get really good in the league in six months, but that's an anomaly. Um, so like to move on, like with traditional players, what they rate important, roster, what would you give that? Uh, like nine out of 10, like right. For traditional? Oh, for traditional. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Roster, I'd probably say like middle, so like five-ish. I, I put it even lower. Um, lower. Yeah, I, I mean, because in, in my mind, when I'm thinking, it's uh, like those those bronze players, those silver players. They're there. They just want to play with a team. Um, but okay, yeah, so it, it could it could be like a little bit lower. Okay. Yeah, it, like the straight up raw numbers recruit. Like if you think of like. If there's a hundred thousand league or esports e players at all going into college, how many of them are going to be diamond and above? Not that many. How many are going to be silver and above? A lot, and that's what you would want to tap into. Yep. Um, but the thing is, yeah, like so, tapping yeah. into You're that right. is is a whole different story because they're not looking for colleges. They're not looking to find you. They're not looking to talk to you. You have to find them and say we have this, or your school yep. has to present yourself enough and say, we have this. Um, like, there's a lot of recruits that come in with me that I won't meet until first day of school. And I'm still able to consider them recruits because they came in knowing they wanted to do this. Now, it gets tricky with scholarship. I can't give scholarship to someone that's, like, finding me and finally talking to me right when school starts. And that's, like, a big pity story with my school story. And I, I bet there's other stories that are somewhat similar, like how you can handle scholarship and when. Um, but... 
point is like the school showcasing my program does a lot of my recruiting for me as well. And that's a scary thought. It was a scary thought for me because I want the merit of getting a recruit to be completely on me. That's what I thought when I was first starting. I was like, if the recruit doesn't seem to be me getting it, why would they keep me hired? But you're doing way more than recruiting. You're there for their retention. You're there for their competitiveness. You're there for like signing them up for stuff. You're there to be their mentor and help them get through classes. Uh, so I would advise not thinking the way that I did of like, you, you need to like hold on to your assets. Um, but yeah, I mean, your school has to work with you as well. You're not like a lone wolf trying to do this all on your own. Yeah. So yeah. So roster definitely. Yeah, you're right. Not, not too important. Yeah. What about facilities? Um, facilities, I'd say probably middle. I know here you have something that's pretty important. I think yeah. the location aspect is more important than the facility um, because I know you put both kind of there. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, because at the end of the day with these students, not to say they have any goals they're looking to pursue within their game, but like, you know, if we're being honest, like they're going to be more academic focused. So that's going to be the things that are more important to them in terms of like the location of the school. Um, honestly, probably still cost is relatively important to them because everyone at the end of the day is looking to save money. Um, yeah. And then also like degree, academic program, stuff like that. Um, I think the specific esports program related things like roster and um, facilities are less so important. But honestly, I think... Um, like how, again, how genuine is the director and things like that can be very important as well for those players, since those are the ones that are going to be more focused like that as well. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I do rate it high. And again, it's like, it becomes like my personal, like history of seeing how sure. relevant it is. I get a lot of recruits that are like, you know, I just saw pictures of your facilities. That's it. I saw that you travel to places that I want to travel to. Like they want to go to lands in Columbus. Or they live yeah, in Columbus. Too, and, yeah. yeah, they yep. live in Columbus and then they want to go to school an hour away to where they're close enough to family, but far enough to where they're not going to visit every weekend. Um, I mean, these are things that the competitive player is not thinking about, right? The competitive player, it's rare when they say, like, what's the best school in Florida? Whereas the traditional player is going to say, you know, what schools at all are in Florida? Because uh, they're looking yeah, and, at and really, Yeah, and like you said, where it's hard to find those players because a lot of times I'll talk to a player of that skill set or something and, um, you know, they, they won't even think they have a chance to play in college um, because of yeah. their, you know, skill set and things like that. Um, I mean, hell, I've even had like, like, you know, like, so, like pretty good players. Like, you know, if you're grand champion rock league, you're pretty good compared to the rest of the player base. Right. Um, yeah. And like, they don't think they have a chance. Yeah. Like, and that's what I see here too. Um, yep. Cause I mean, my, my varsity team is three grand champ threes. Rocket League goes one, two, okay. three, right? Yep. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, one, yes, two, three have... from worst to best. And the thing is, like, those three players came to my school and they were champ. They were, like, hovering around champ when they were here. Uh, it, it's really hard to showcase to a player that what caliber of player you accept. Um, but I also think, like, I do a bad job of it. Like, that's definitely something I could do better where I, like, I'm showcasing that recruiting all players. But then you don't want to seem, like, desperate and, like... I don't know. It gets weird. Like when you're doing this with communications and marketing and you're trying to like showcase yourself and what you do, you also don't want to like downplay what it is you want to be. Like it, it gets, I don't know. I'm kind of tangent. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of it is just like a time thing too. 
like yeah. over time as more high schools get to and stuff like they'll know their former friends who were like silver two in league of legends and they got recruited and they're currently platinum so they're like oh well if i'm a little bit better than him then i definitely have a chance to play in college you know stuff like that will happen over time um even because, outside like, of the friend even... group that's working because uh yeah i mean these high schools have teams and like they could not even be friends like let's say a freshman that's on the jv team sees a high schooler like the on the team varsity team that's their, silver like yeah, yeah yeah they're ex-teammates mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I think it's kind of like an overtime thing because no matter how much I think any college markets that they're recruiting for all the ranks or like things like that, um, I just think it's something that's going to happen over time. But like that's definitely like one of the most common questions I get from like players that are not considered like the top, top rank in their game um, is kind of like, do you think I'd have like any schools interested in me or like, you know, yeah. it's like, yes, yes. Yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, the, one of the, funniest stories i have is i think it was last year one of the players that we had that got like the most at least known offers i know of that came through stay plugged in was a gold league of legends player oh really that's funny yeah but i could see that i mean there's so many of us old like we're legit old i'm 36 there's other coaches that are in somewhat same boat as me they came from league of legends some of them are living out their like amateur dream or whatever that was going on with coaching. I mean, I'm in that same boat. I want to keep coaching league, not to go pro, yep. but I just like coaching league. I will do that little extra investment to get a good league player. And it's not fraudulent yet. Like it's still one of the popular games. Like it'd be a really mm-hmm. bad scenario if I was doing that for like one of the games that's like really low. Like if I was doing that for Hearthstone or something like that. And it it feels bad talking about a game, it being low and comparing it with one another, but it's just like the objective state of it that we have to think. Yeah. Uh, When you compare it to nothing malicious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nothing malicious. Because I know in the past I've said things about Call of Duty. Uh, It's not malicious. It's just you have to compare and contrast things. And when you like, when you're thinking from the hindsight of, is a high school doing Call of Duty? Am I going to do this? That's the conversation. Sorry it's, like, it's like the CSGO conversation too, right? Like, yeah. obviously, if you look at the state of the world with CSGO, you might be like, oh, well, maybe that's one of the most popular games in college. But then when you look at it, it's not. It's not even close. Yeah, they're um, old players. <laughs> exactly. Old, no high old school fans, playing old in everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, if for any, any player, I tell them, like, you always have a chance. Obviously, um, you know, I always tell the player, right, like, if you're a silver player, you're probably not going to have as many options you know, like St. Clair or Northwood or their Rocket League teams, potentially, yeah. unless like you want to play on maybe one of their academy teams or something like that. Um, but, you know, there's still schools out there that would be of interest to you in helping you develop and, you know, get better at the game, pay some of your way for school and all that type of stuff. So um, uh, to move on with like giving players tips and whatnot, uh, I wanted to just see if you could add on to my list of tips that I have. Uh, you probably saw it when I posted it maybe a year ago. I tried to post it like every year around like peak recruiting season. And I think peak recruiting season is like spring semester kind of. Um, I just try to list out and I keep this list within myself. And then I just like put it on onto Twitter. And this year I got like a lot of views and a lot of people were like, this is awesome. And it's weird for me to be on Twitter and have people say like, what you're posting is good stuff. (laughs) Usually it's people saying like, what the hell? Like, yeah, I'm usually getting shit on pretty good. Running through it, like, obviously, full tuition doesn't mean full ride. Uh, it's very important. All, you know, players always ask me, like, what schools offer full ride? And I'm like, do you mean full tuition or full ride? Because full ride yeah. literally means you're going there for free. And then full tuition means they are only covering your tuition. So 
Um, obviously, if a school even says like, hey, we offer up to full rides, you, you know, maybe just to double check them, make sure you clarify, like, does that mean, you know, full ride or whatnot? Um, yeah. yeah. And then the, the next. Go ahead. I was just going to repeat what you're already reading off. It's uh, needing to commit. There's a lot of coaches out there that will say, like, you have to commit in order to see your scholarship. You have to commit in order to get onto the team. A lot of this is true, and it's usually true due to the director pushing that to be true. But like on an average, like universally, the way schools work, or even if you want to get legal with it, you don't have to commit to see how much you're going to be paying. That is just yes. not, it's not yeah. the normal route of things. You should be seeing what you're going to be paying. You agree upon that and you commit by doing the down payment. Yes, I agree with the fact that seeing like the offer sheet first, obviously you don't want to just like blindly commit to something um, yeah. or just commit to word of mouth. Um, I'm a little torn um, personally on like, if a school gives like commit by exit date. Um, and the, what I mean by that is basically like, cause I've seen schools where they'll have an offer out to a kid for let's say like five months, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, five months, let's say they give them that offer in December. Well, that bleeds into April, May, when uh, at that point, you know, the well's running dry in terms of people still looking for that year. So um, if if by April, then they're given a no, well, then that really changes things. And now all of a sudden, now that school is desperate for whatever spot they need to fill with that player. Um, yeah. And a lot of times in sports, you know, you're, it's normal more, more so for you to be committed your junior year or like you're commit, committing the summer going into your senior year. Yeah. Um, and usually if you're committing within your senior year, like I did, it's late. While in esports, if you're committing in like October of your senior year, that's considered like really early. Um, yeah, and it and makes so, sense from our point of view. So like if we were able to have those traditional uh, timelines of things going, like if we were able to repeat the same thing sports were, which we're not, like it is later, uh, it would make way more sense for our budgets. Like I used to be able to give scholarship yeah. ratio wise, and this is the last year was the first year I had a pool of money. And I think most programs have a pool of money and pool of money means like, yeah, it's going to run dry, like you said, but then also there's sometimes a date where they're not going to give the money out anymore. So it, it does go back and forth where it's like, you should, it, it seems like somewhat like not fraudulent, but like, you shouldn't have to be so pushy. But when you get into like the budgeting of like the finance department giving me money for a certain reason, it has to be used by this time. Um, and then also like pitching to get that budget year by year. Pitching to get that budget happens December for the next year. And that would fall in line of like, if I was able to like get that budget, give it to people on their junior highest junior year of high school and then move on to the next year and like figure that out, that'd be a dream. But having yeah, to deal it, with it, yeah. like as it's going on right before the cutoff date, that that's a unique thing that we have to deal with. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping. Like over time, that's just something that changes as coaches have more time to get into recruiting because they're not the only ones at their programs that have to do everything, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But like I've seen some schools where like they'll talk to a player and then they give them two weeks to commit. Like in my opinion, if you're expecting a player to do that, like. That's tough. That's really quick for a player basically in two weeks to decide where he hypothetically wants to spend or she wants to spend the next four years of their life. Um, so like going on like the uh, four or five month example, but um, that's where I'm kind of torn out where like, I definitely think you can be pretty pushy in terms of your deadline. If you're only giving like 
a couple weeks or like three weeks where I've seen that happen. Um, and then the player will come, you know, they'll, they'll turn them down because that's just too quick for them to make a decision. Um, but then I've seen schools complain to me, which is fair that they gave a student, you know, like a half a year, let's say they, they offer them in November, they decline them in April and then all of a sudden they're kind of screwed. Um, and so, um, I do wonder and if, you know, maybe we'll start seeing more schools as well, kind of get those deadlines because, um, you know, I mean, it, it's never good to get like spurned by someone in like April or May at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it's just, that's just really late. And, uh, you mentioned earlier that someone got their deposit back. That is that starting to normalize a bit more where you know to tell people to do that? Players oh, yeah. know that, that I, can happen. Like if something weird happens and they're like, oh, I already deposited, they don't feel threatened or obligated to like stay at that school because they gave that deposit, they gave that commit. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some students that deposited and then they just decided for whatever reason it wasn't the best fit for them and they kind of changed their mind. Yeah. That's something I'll definitely let them know. But kind of the goal with the process that like I work with or we work with with students is that by the time they are depositing, they're like they're like a hundred percent sure unless some life thing comes up or somewhere they like have to change their mind. Yeah, I do think it's a more rare occasion too. Yeah. Um We talked about a lot of these points already earlier and I was just like checking off. Uh I'm not sure if we talked about like making sure that the players compare the schools and the different scholarships. Uh, we we probably did, but I don't think we went as far to say that let's like you should be looking at a bunch of schools. Like it should just be responsible to do that. But what you're able to do when you're looking at those different schools, so like school A, B, C, and D, A becomes your favorite, but D is the cheapest. And if that, sure. those schools are comparable with like similar degree, location, whatever you want you need to like be getting those financial aid packages and showing both of those schools that, especially school A, because that's your choice. And then that school becomes cheaper to you. Do you see people doing that or advise that or anything? Yeah, I always advise a pros and cons list. Like you should write down for every single school what you like, what you don't like, and then compare. Because then if you compare school A to B, and school A has only one con, and school B has six cons, but in your head you thought they were similar, but then on paper you see they're not. Mm -hmm. Um. So write everything down. Don't just like go to a meeting with a school or go to a meeting with you. And then it's just all in your head because you're going to forget it. Um, and I mean, the biggest thing in terms of numbers too, is like, do not look at, oh yeah, we're going to offer you 15K to come here. Boom. And then the next school you talk to, hey, we're going to offer you 8K to come here. Boom. Okay. Well, then 15K school is cheaper. Not necessarily. Um, you want to make sure you look at percentage and not um, number amount. So um, that's a big mistake I'll see. Um, where us, you know, players like, yeah, I'm gonna go here because it's cheapest one. And I'm like, how much were they offering you? Because I maybe know the school generally offers like 40% off and the other yeah. school they're looking at, it's like, and they'll be like, oh, they offer me, you know, 15K. And I'm like, well, those school offer I'm like, yeah, they, they look at the flat amount. Yeah. Huh. And I'm like, well, it's only 8,000 to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, which I mean, again, I mean, they're, you know, 17, 18 year old students, kids, right? So that, you know, and they get excited and all those types of things when they see those numbers, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a innocent mistake, but that's definitely something kind of one of the first things I talk about too, is like never, never just purely look at the number. You want to make sure you look at everything you're getting back and then final cost, not just like, oh yeah, this school is offering me 20K. It might be something cool to tell your friends at school, um, but you yeah. want to make sure that 
um, you know, if, if one of your main goals is to save money on school, then you want to make sure that you're actually doing that. And that's a big like love hate conversation that I have with students like, every year. It happens where it's uh, they like seeing that big number that says esports scholarship, big number. But schools have gotten smart and they'll put all of their scholarships and just call it esports. And that student is going to love seeing that big number. Whereas the schools that are, they'll they'll keep it the same nomenclature of like, here's your academic scholarship, here's your grant money, here's your FAFSA money, here's your whatever. The financial aid packages that say you're going to get twenty thousand for all of these, like this is just esports, and then you look in it and you ask them to see like the points of it, and they just mix it all in and make it sound special to the student, and it it does sound special to them, and a lot of them make their decision because they feel special because of that. And yeah, I mean, we had a, um, I mean, the big thing too you mentioned academic is like make sure you know where you're getting academically too if they can stack because we had yeah. a student where this a school offers around like two. Um, and it's like a school that's like, I think, 35, 40K to go there. They got a full ride because of their academics. Yeah. You know, so like if, if that student just kind of had the initial conversation and and listen and, and then the school's like, we're offering you 2K. And they're like, ah, that's not, that's nothing, you know? Yeah. And then they just moved on. They would never have known that. And that's um, why so I maybe, usually talk to the parents when I'm talking to them as well. Because a lot of the students, they just ignore the things they don't want to listen to. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, I mean, if I was a student looking to like an esports scholarship sounds better. Cool, no, I would be the same way. I'm not saying I yeah. wouldn't be anything different than what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't no, even know what a scholarship like, was when I was in school. Exactly. It, it's just like, you know, provide, I just, you know, to be that uh, overview perspective, like, you know, awesome they got those scholarships, but, you know, you want to make sure you write down, talk to your parents about it, you know, all those sorts of things. Because, um, like you said, I've seen students where they will pay more money to go to a school because they check more boxes than another school that's cheaper, but doesn't check as many boxes. Um, yeah. but you just want to make sure that all your goals are aligned anytime, um, you're thinking about committing to a school. Um, and, and like, yeah, write everything down. Um, you know, don't keep it all in your head. Um, you know, make sure you understand everything you're going to get. Um, obviously if like, you're looking at a school and they offer you a very low amount and they're already telling you offhand, like, you know, you're probably going to get around 40% to come here and that just doesn't interest you, then yeah, you can move on. But you know. I haven't heard many because, schools say you know, you like be, percentage of scholarship that's going to happen. I, I'm assuming yeah, that's you maybe you hear that yeah, more. You often. Maybe turning down a school idea. that could be of high interest to you, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Any any points that I didn't have that you think I'm naive of or don't know about, or things you see um, happening that are good tips that you give players? I mean, a big one too is like from the team aspect, um, a lot of people, we kind of obviously talk about this with the roster, they get held up on the team. I like the school. I like what they're offering me, but man, they have a bunch of champs and I'm GC3. You know, sometimes I will tell them too, and I'm, obviously I'm not like, you, you know, you need to do this, but like, hey, like go there and be the first person. Because you're a player, you know, if you go to the school and all of a sudden they're recruiting and they're like, hey, yeah, we have this one GC3 we're building around, boom, boom, it's easier to sell. Um, and so if you're talking to a school, they check every box except roster. Um, you Don't know, so you may find a school it, yeah. and you get held up on that one. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you want to make sure you're enjoying your time at the school. And obviously if you're playing with a team, that's not that good. You're probably not going to fully enjoy your time, but you know, take a chance also. Um, because a lot of times I've seen players do that too, where like, they just take a chance and they're kind of that first player. Um, especially if you commit earlier on in the process, like in October, then that, you know, like six more months and be like, hey, we got a GC3 now. 
you know, we're trying to move forward with two more type of thing. Right. Um, So I think, I think there are certain things players look at as being like super important that they can get held up on. And they kind of look at it as like an end all be all, Um, which at times don't get me wrong. It can be. Um, But other times I think like they also don't give it a chance to work out. Um, Yeah. So I, I stress like patience, like, like smart patients. Um, I also preach starting early. And I know like you kind of mentioned, like for a lot of schools, they take it slow over the um, summer going into their senior year. But like one thing on St- in State Plug in that we, we harp on, um, especially like rising seniors, is like start this summer. Um, just sh- like shoot Troy an email, just like get in his inbox, get in his discord, whatever, so that when he comes back around to start school, like you're one of the first people there in terms of like who he's talking to. Don't wait until like November when he's maybe already talked to like 20 students, 50 students, however many students, um, because, you know, that can help increase scholarship opportunities. It can make it easier to get on the team, potentially, like all those types of things. Um, and then also, which is probably, in my opinion, the most important, it provides less stress for you as a player during your senior year. And that's yeah. that's kind of the big thing we stress on is like if you can figure out like some schools that you're interested in and things like that and knock that out before you start day one at school in August or September. Um, I just think that'll make your senior year go a lot smoother for you as well. So I'm not getting people as much in May that are like, Hey man, I'm still looking at rock league. Oh, okay. How many offers do you have? Zero, <laughs> you know, and then they have, yeah, the due diligence isn't there, you know, a month and a half, two months to figure out where they're going. And that is a lot more stressful. So, yeah. Um, I know, I know the on both sides because like us trying to rush it and them trying to rush, it's yeah, it it happens. Like they're going to find something that is stressful from the player side because currently you guys don't have the time necessarily. Like you said, you're trying to relax, you're trying to focus up on your league coaching, and then just be like, okay, time to grind recruiting. You know, I mean, obviously, no one really wants to do that, right? So if the player mindset over time can shift. And all of a sudden, you're getting more people starting to reach out in May of their junior year. I think March it will of their junior year. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It'll build to that. I'm just saying it, it's starting here in Ohio now. That's uh, yeah. It's it's starting to have a history where like esports Ohio, the uh, the state institution, they're they're getting middle schoolers involved. People in high school are knowing awesome. about it year after year. Um, I mean, yeah. I just did a recruit visit yesterday of a junior who was about to enter his junior year. And he's like, like, I, I for sure want to come here for your Valorant team. Your Valorant team is really good. Awesome. Yeah, and no, that, that's, that's what just happened. And, you. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I'll tell like sophomores, like, you know, is it too early to start? I'll say no. Like you can start technically looking now. You can go visit a school and talk to Troy and just see the campus. And that would be starting. Um, yeah. While it's too early for you to maybe get an idea of like what kind of offers you're going to get, things like that. You know, I'm sure if, if the kid asks you like, hey, can I join your server? Maybe play from time to yeah, time it's low effort from team. both sides like they can get what they yep. want with the amount of effort they want to put in i can do the same thing it's yep i don't have to check so that's in a big thing I always I check on scholarship. yeah yeah that's a big thing i always recommend is like start start as early as you can i understand it can be intimidating um you may not know exactly what you want to study you may not know what you want to do with your life things like that uh but you know if that's something that you're really passionate about is playing like collegiate esports um you know i think start starting early is just going to give you an advantage so yeah all right, I'm going to completely curveball this so you can be out of here within two hours. I'm sorry we talked so long. No, you're, good, good talk. you're good. Go for uh, it. Just let us know anything that's going on with you, anything you want to give a shout out to, any projects you guys are doing, anything with you, anything with Spin, anything. It's your moment. Um, I mean, you know, we always got some cool stuff cooking up. Uh, what we'll be kind of like announcing our events 
coming up in the fall. Um, coming up, I think we're looking at kind of hosting uh, uh, kind of anywhere between like three to five recruiting lands again. So that's going to, that's always an exciting time. Um, you know, we got some website dev stuff we're doing and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we just, we just keep kind of grinding and, and pushing through, um, you know, with our main goal of just like, like I said, helping as many people as we can. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's really our big thing as we continue to kind of scale and, and grow um, from starting about, like I said, about three and a half years ago um, to where we are now um, and, and continue just preparing, um, you know, for that growth and, uh, you know, helping people and, uh, you know, meeting people like you and helping people kind of continue their path into programs like yours and uh, going from there. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I just say you can, you always stay up to date on our social media, uh, which is just uh, the stand underscore plug underscore in Twitter um, or like on our website and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we're, we just keep uh, doing our thing and uh, chugging along. So. Yeah. And I did want to have like a big section where I'm talking about all the different like recruiting platforms and what you guys do and what some other people do. But within that, I would have said that you guys are by far like the most relevant you're doing what you sought out to do. You're doing what we want you to do. You're like, and we being like the college coaches and directors and the players, you're, it's in, in my opinion, it's because you guys are focusing on that one thing. It's cool that you do the lands. It's cool that you do the small showcase competitions, but it's all still within the realm of recruiting. And please keep doing that. I mean, there's so many other companies that like have, have ventured off. Like I think eFuse wanted to start off recruiting, uh, be recruited, but they're not now NCSA. Some of these other platforms, they'll spread themselves too thin with trying to do something else. But I, I think there's a very real thing that you guys are covering at Spin. I just want to like keep imploring you and the others at Spin to like keep focusing on just the pure recruiting. Like you guys are going to end up being the main asset that we use. We being players and coaches. I appreciate it. I mean, uh, anytime I talk to a player, you know, I'll happily point them towards other recruiting platform stuff as well. By no means do I think, um, you know, we're going to be the end all be all necessarily for them. With that said, um, you know, I think we've done a really good job and showed that we can do a really good job in terms of helping a, a player uh, commit to a score, things like that. Um, in terms of like costs on our platform value, whatever. I mean, it's very low cost. We keep it that way on purpose. You know, we're not here to to make a crap ton of money. Um, we want to make it as affordable people as we can obviously it is a service and things like that as well um so we, we have to keep that in mind but you know um the thing that we kind of always preach in the office stuff like that is we're a player first service you know we, yeah. we care about the player we want to look out for what's best for them and you know i know when kind of earlier on when we talked about like you know talking to players about college and stuff like that like i'm going to take in that should be able to fit that um and obviously i'm not going to spit out every single one that you're going to commit to um, yeah. But, you know, I have a pretty good success rate in terms of, or I should say we do in general of, you know, going over different programs with students and they'll probably end up at like one of those. Right. Or maybe they yeah. were at an event and there was a school that reached out as well. Like those stories are always really cool to hear, too. I'm sure you probably experienced it, too, where on like a land or something, you kind of see a school approach a student and their family. And maybe that's the first school they ever talked to. And all of a sudden, a year later, they're telling you they committed there. Right. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of cool stories, a lot of cool um, stuff like that. But yeah, we, we player for service, you know, we're a recruiting esports platform. So that's what we're going to keep doing. Um, and, you know, I, I, that shows that obviously recruiting is very important. Um, and, uh, 
you know, it'll keep challenging us and pushing us and looking at ways that we can keep improving and stuff like that as well. So. Yep. And that's all of it. I, I want to thank you for being the first guest. Uh, like you said, with recruiting being so important, it made the most sense to have recruiting be the, the first topic, even though it's talked about all the time. There's always new people coming into it, both player and coach that need to learn what we talked about. And I hope we talked about things that taught people. Obviously, since we went two hours, there's so much more to talk about. And maybe we can do another. I know, right? Talk about this all day. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but thanks for having me on. Troy. So viewable. It. Keep it within your schedule and my schedule. For sure. I no, I appreciate it. it, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.